The condition of the state is good. The governor lays out her legislative priorities, including a flat tax and school choice. Then we hear from legislators as they respond. Do other Republicans see eye to eye? And Democrats say the changes favor the wealthy. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for being here for This Week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. And with the fall of the gavel, the House and Senate are no, now both back in session for the 2022 legislative year. This is the second year of the 89th General Assembly, meaning there isn't a new class of legislators with no training and little pomp and circumstance. Lawmakers can get right to work with Republicans again holding the trifecta. They continue to be able to decide the agenda and set the tone. The first day of the session is an opportunity for House and Senate leaders to really lay out their priorities, which we've been talking about right here on the show for the last few months. And then there uh, were a lot of surprises this week. It's clear that while these parties may not see eye to eye on how to accomplish what's on their list, they do agree on what's most pressing issues like workforce crisis, health care, teachers and law enforcement. We need more workers as well as access to child care. Then there's tax reform. When speaking to Senator Major Senate Majority Leader Jack Whitver, tax reform is always the first priority he brings up. Take a listen. We need to continue our tax reforms that we started several years ago, and, and we think uh, we're in a, a great position to do so. In fact, we're probably in the strongest position I was ever been in as a state fiscally. In addition to cutting taxes, uh, in his opening remarks, Senator Whitver focusing on workforce, saying the state needs to make it easier for someone to open and run child care facilities and then emphasize public assistance should truly be for the needy and not those taking advantage of the system. Meanwhile, across the aisle, Senator Zach Walls says tax cuts sound great, but again, that devil is in the details. He said tax cuts need to be for working Iowans, not the wealthy. And he goes on to say he puts fixing workforce issues at the top of Democrats list. In his eyes, it's an issue that was worsened by the current Republican-led administration. We see help wanted signs in big cities and small towns alike. And so our caucus is going to be laser focused on doing everything that we can to end the Reynolds workforce crisis and get Iowa back to work. So after hearing from the legislative leaders on their priorities Monday, Tuesday, it was the governor's turn to lay out her agenda. Governor Kim Reynolds laid out uh, her agenda in the condition of the state. Her proposals covering key issues, you'll hear these over and over again, tax cuts, unemployment reform, education issues. Local 5's Mary Sugden was at the State House for this address and gives us a breakdown. In a roughly 45-minute address, Governor Kim Reynolds laying out what she plans to propose in this coming year. And at the top of her list, tax cuts for Iowans. I'll introduce a comprehensive bill that significantly cuts taxes for all Iowans. First, it eliminates our complex system of multiple tax brackets and sets one tax rate of 4%, flat and fair. Governor Reynolds says the cuts would be phased in over four years. But in the first year alone, taxpayers will save almost $500 million. 
While Democrats agree the cuts would be flat, they stopped short of calling them fair. I think it's great that Iowans um, who are in the middle would get a $1,300 reduction in their taxes, but we didn't hear what's going to happen to the folks at the top. They're going to get a much more significant cut. The idea that we're going to use one-time money to pay for a permanent tax cut is going to leave our state in terrible fiscal shape. It won't be sustainable. We won't be able to balance the budget. Turning to the workforce crisis, the governor saying there are more jobs open in the state than there are unemployed Iowans. Adding six months of benefits is too much. I'll be introducing a bill that lowers benefits to 16 weeks, about four months, and ensures that those collecting unemployment can't turn down suitable jobs while living on taxpayer funds. Um, we also know that even if every person who's unemployed right now in the state of Iowa went back to work, we'd still have tens of thousands of open jobs. And so you can't fix this workforce crisis by just hurting people who are trying to find a job in an unemployment. And a big benefit will soon be headed to the state's teachers who decide to stay on the job. I'm announcing tonight that we'll use federal ESSER funds to award $1,000 retention bonuses to teachers who stayed on the job through the pandemic and who will continue their teaching next year. While those bonuses will also be heading to law enforcement and correctional officers, Democrats say other frontline workers shouldn't be ignored. I would like to see some also directed at health care workers who are exhausted. I think that there are a lot of Iowans who, who could benefit from that. And again, this is just a small snippet of all of that was included in her address. If you would like to watch this address in its entirety or read it, head to our website, weareiowa.com. Reporting at the State House, Mary Sugden, Local 5 News, We Are Iowa. Coming up on This Week in Iowa, Republicans react to the governor's speech. Do legislative leaders in her party and the governor see eye to eye? We ask if her agenda will make it through. now with Speaker of the Iowa House, Representative Pat Grassley. Speaker Grassley, thank you so much for being with us. Um, talk to me about your first reaction to the governor's condition of the state's uh, speech. What were you expecting? What did you kind of know was going to be there? And were there any surprises? Well, I think that uh, th uh, nice talking to you again, Sabrina. And I think we're, uh, it sounds like the conversation that the governor had with Iowans last night are a lot of the things that the legislators have been talking to me about, what I've been talking about leading up to session. Uh, obviously, taxes, everyone knew that taxes were going to be a big issue coming into this session, but touching significantly on workforce, uh, making sure that parents are involved in their children's education and giving more choice to parents. I think so what the governor touched on, it sounds like to me, um, well, you know, we'll have to work through the pieces of legislation, obviously, but I think we're in a really good position that those are also the issues that House members are talking about as well. Of course, devil's in the details. Four um, yeah. percent flat tax rate. Were you expecting that? Do you think that's something that your caucus will get on board with? So what I've been saying uh, during leading up to session is we wanted to see of the focus being on personal income tax, and that's what this plan would do. We want to be able to reduce the burden on all Iowans. We shouldn't be picking and choosing who we're going to raise. You know, we don't want to raise a tax on someone to offset another. I think we need to lower the burden on all Iowans. And uh, as we look at what her plan, you know, I, when I get the bill and see the breakdown, we'll obviously see that. But my expectation is we're going to be able to reduce significant tax burden on Iowans at the same time, not having to offset that with somebody else's tax going up or or uh, raising a tax here just to uh, pay somewhere else. Do you think a flat tax is the answer? 
Well, we haven't had that conversation within the caucus. I think it shows it, what I can say is it, it's, uh, uh, it indicates something similar that what we've been looking at, reducing the tax burden on Iowans, on all Iowans, which this would do. Uh, and as we see the numbers and the way that plays out, we'll have to make decisions as a House caucus. But I think that this fits what uh, the mold of what I've been saying. We want to see something that's sustainable. You know, I know a lot of the conversation, everyone was trying to paint us into a corner around a certain position, which would be an elimination. I've been saying that we were going to take an approach that was sustainable. Uh, and the governor has laid out a plan. And as we see the bill, uh, from what I know about it, it is going to be a sustainable plan. And we'll just work through uh, where we have our uh, similarities. And if we have any differences, we'll work through those. Let's talk about the changes to um, the unemployment. Um, so a lot of that stuff's not legislated. It's within rules. Um, but talk to me about the workforce changes that she has proposed and where you see eye to eye with her and uh, yeah, in those items that do need to be legislated. Yeah, and I think that uh, the governor uh, made a compelling case, I think, that this isn't just about uh, getting, this isn't just about benefits. We, we aren't saying that this is the thing that will solve all of the situations we have in the state with workforce issues. However, this is a component. So I would say that, and, and this is what I've been saying leading up to session, and I think it's consistent with today, all options need to be on the table. When, when we have the kind of uh, uh, record job openings that we have in this state, and employers are just screaming at us, please, whatever you guys can do to help, we need to be looking at all these options. So some of the changes that she's looking at when it comes to unemployment, uh, the ones that need to be legislated, I think we're going to uh, actively engage in those conversations. Um, because again, that's just one part of this overall holistic approach that I've been talking about. Uh, let's talk real quick just about um, school choice. Those um, scholarship funds where 70% of the SSA dollars would follow a student if they chose to go to a private school. Is that the route you would like to take? I know we've talked a lot about school choice mm -hmm. in our time as we've spoken over the years. Is that something that you could see workable? So what I will say, the governor has brought what I would consider to be almost a brand new approach. You know, last year she brought something we were unable to get support for. She sounds like, and now again, I have not, I don't have the bill in hand. So I, I want to see that before I, and analyze that before I would get too far into the weeds. But what I can say, it sounds like she listened to legislators and their concerns which the concerns were never about giving more options and more choices to parents. It was about what would the impact be on the school districts in my area that I represent. You know, a lot of our caucus is made up of rural members. And so there, that was one of the big topics of conversation last year. The governor has tried to address some of those concerns where we can uh, maintain our strong rural schools, give them more opportunities to provide more services that maybe some of the larger schools are able to do with the resources they have. So she's taken a completely different approach, in my opinion. And so I think that there's going to be, I've already had some conversations with members that last year were a little bit more hesitant, that have an open mind and want to see the details of the bill and haven't, uh, that their position from last year is a little bit more open-minded than where we left session. Interesting. Speaker Grassley, anything that you heard last night that you said, mm, that's a hard pass for me? Well, no, again, I think the governor touched on the topics that we've all been talking about. And I think that's a positive sign uh, for the legislative session. Obviously, we'll work through each bill and the details. We're not going to agree on every one of them. But the direction we want to continue to try to take the state and what we see as those key points uh, as part of that direction, it sounds like we're all uh, House, Senate and the governor. Um, we're pretty close 
um, where we start. Now, as we talk again, maybe in two months, we'll see what the details look like and we may not be, but where I sit here today after the speech last night, um, I think that the governor uh, really promoted a strong message about moving Iowa forward. And I think, you know, that fits in with what we've been saying as House Republicans. Speaker Grassi, I appreciate your time. Yep, thanks, Rena. Now we move on to the minority, the Democrats' response to the governor's agenda, how they feel about that flax, flat tax on all islands. We are here now with minority leader, Representative Jennifer Confirst, to talk about uh, your reaction, Representative Confirst, to the condition of the state. Uh, let's just kind of start at the top and uh, start with tax reform that the governor proposed, 4% flat tax. What are your thoughts on that? Well, of course, gosh, flat tax sounds great, right? We've been hearing about that for a long time. The devil's in the details. A flat tax, if we find out when we're looking through this budget that the flat tax benefits millionaires and that the middle class doesn't get much of a break when it comes to the actual dollar amount that we're getting at home, then that's not really good for Iowa. And we don't have a lot of details on this. So it's one of those things, we heard a lot of this in the speech, that is, sounds good, makes great headlines, but the devil's in the details and we need to know what the real impact would be. And let's not forget that also in the budget, in addition to this flat tax, but it didn't make it into the governor's speech, is another corporate tax cut. And that's not what Iowa needs either. That's in the budget, but somehow that missed the speech. Let's talk about how the state pays for this tax cut. Um, the governor says that as the revenue of our state continues to grow, this tax cut will pay for itself if spending is kept under control. Do you have any concerns of future budget cuts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we need to recognize that, you know, we this is we need to make sure whatever tax cut we do is sustainable. And uh, just counting on future revenue growth isn't necessarily a great strategy when the only alternative is to cut services to Iowans. And let's not forget that we've been cutting services to Iowans for the past five years. You know, our, we continue to underfund our K-12 schools. We continue to underfund our Department of Corrections, our Department of Public Safety, our judicial branch. We have services that Iowans rely on. And if we continue to starve them, Iowans will start to see the difference. In fact, they're already noticing um, the impact of budget cuts. Iowans need the services that our state provides, and we need to make sure that we're able to offer them to Iowans in a way that, that truly does give them what they need. Speaking of services, another announcement the governor uh, made in her condition of the state is this change to unemployment from six months of unemployment down to about six weeks, four months, um, and also um, a lower threshold that a person's job offer has to meet in order for them to be required to take it. It's a lot of nitty gritty details, but just talk to me about what your initial reaction is to those changes in unemployment. So it's a short-sighted and um, small idea that will really have a negative impact on people's lives. People who are on unemployment in many cases want to go back to work, but can't because they can't find childcare, but can't because they're immunocompromised and can't go back to work right now because they are, are not able to work amid a COVID environment, right? So um, we saw last summer when the governor cut federal unemployment benefits that it did not lead to people 
um, going back to work because that's not the problem. And let's also forget that when we look at this Reynolds workforce crisis, there are six, 100,000 jobs plus open right now in Iowa and 65,000 Iowans not working. A much smaller amount of those are on unemployment, by the way. And when we look at the problem, the problem isn't unemployment. The problem is that um, Iowa continues to, to promote divisive legislation that truly makes Iowa not a welcoming place. We have affordable housing crisis in the state. The governor didn't even mention housing last night. And childcare is a critical crisis. And that is a key part of our workforce crisis that really hasn't been fixed. She did just announce this week uh, some grants that will be given to uh, childcare facilities, uh, that partnership with the um, uh, Council Bluffs Community School District to put childcare into those schools to try to make a partnership. So um, are you saying more needs to be done? Are you, do you have other solutions to childcare issues? Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, first of all, we need to remember that that money came from American Rescue Plan dollars that uh, President Biden and Congresswoman Axton secured for us. And so uh, I, you know, we're grateful for that, that federal money coming in. But look, um, this is a long term problem. We think it's great that we're going to open up some more slots for child care. Um, but we have real systemic problems across the state, wages for childcare workers, the turnover in the childcare workforce, um, making sure that enough people are actually working in childcare, rural areas in the state who don't have access to childcare. This is a nice start, but we have a lot more to do if we're going to truly affect and impact the workforce crisis and help people get back to work. One final topic I'd like to touch on that the governor uh, talked about yesterday in her condition of the state was um, some education changes. Um, she wants to start these scholarships that um, funding for schools can go follow the student. About 70% of it can follow the student um, if they want to go to private school. And then she also um, announced uh, just a couple other changes to education, um, some transparency in education, requiring book lists be online. Um, if parents file grievances and they're not responded to more quick, like quickly enough, then they go to the State Board of Education. Talk to me about some of those education changes that she announced. Well, I think let's talk first about vouchers. So the idea that public money would go to private schools um, is one that most Iowans don't support and we know um, would hurt and starve our public schools. So it's one thing in metro areas like Des Moines to have families um, taking public money and going to private schools. Philosophically, we're opposed to that. But let's talk about a rural school where there isn't a private school for miles and the only school is a public school in the community. Now we've taken money away from public schools and there's no place else for families to go. This would decimate rural schools across the state. And it's simply not where our money needs to go. Public money needs to go to public schools. Um, when you talk about some of this sort of divisive, um, it's a really a solution in search of a problem. Right now, I can go online and get book lists from schools um, and see what's in the library right now. I could have, when I when my kids were in school, I spent a lot of time in the school library volunteering at lunch and uh, talked to my kids' teachers every day. There's not a problem with being able to communicate with schools. And if there is, that's something that should be handled at the school board level. We don't need statewide solutions to local problems. Representative Confers, thank you so much for your time. We'll, of course, be talking a whole lot more as the legislative session is officially underway. You bet. Thanks for having me. Will media have access to hold elected officials accountable? We break down restrictions at the State House.
it appears to be business as usual at the state house. It's not back to the way things were before the pandemic began, at least not in terms of coverage of the Iowa legislature. The Iowa Senate is not allowing media to sit in in its normal press row on the chamber floor. Media was first not allowed on the Senate floor due to COVID-19, a requirement for fewer people in the chamber. But now the Republican led Senate decided again to not allow reporters on their traditional press row. Democrats say they weren't consulted. Republicans, though, say it comes down to too few seats in a growing media base. Republicans removed the media from the Iowa Senate chamber without consulting Democrats. It is a continuation of the attacks on the First Amendment that we saw from the Republican Party last year. There's only about 12 to 14 seats on the on the floor. And as you try to define who is media, is it TV? Is it radio? Is it newspapers? Is it bloggers? Is it podcasters? There's a lot more people that are trying to access um, those 12 seats. Senator Whitver says two media sections were set up in the upper galleries and committees will stream online, which he believes increases accountability. But Senate Minority Leader Zach Walls says the floor access gives reporters a direct line of communication with lawmakers and a better opportunity for clear and fact based coverage. The Iowa Capital Press Association has filed a grievance as well as a number of other organizations. We'll keep you posted if anything changes there. Now, Senator Walls tells us he is hopeful that Democrats can work with the Republicans to find a different system for the press access this year. Again, we'll keep an eye on this issue as well as key pieces of legislation as they move throughout this session. Now, also in the House chamber this week at the same podium, Reynolds delivered her address. Chief Justice of the Iowa Supreme Court Susan Christensen spoke to Iowa lawmakers on the state of the judiciary. Chief Christensen highlighted the court's accomplishments made possible, she says, by the increased funding the legislature has provided. She says that funding helped give Iowans continued access to the judicial branch and will continue to make it a reality. The judicial branch will continue to block out all the noise we brought on by the pandemic, and we will continue to stay laser focused on our steadfast commitment to ensure that each and every Iowan has meaningful access to justice. Christensen thanked the legislature for an increase in funding. She's seeking another $202 million. That's nearly a 7% increase over this year and more than $4 million more than what Governor Reynolds is recommending. Chief Justice Christensen says the money is needed to increase salaries and hire more staff. You're watching This Week in Iowa. We'll be right back. Thank you so much everyone for joining us here for this week in Iowa. Of course, now is a more important time than ever to have local journalism, local political coverage. So continue to tune in here for this week in Iowa. And don't forget we have a podcast. Just search this week in Iowa wherever you find your podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll have more on the legislature next week.